Every week on the show, we aim to disrupt the way real estate agents and entrepreneurs think about their business. And this week, Mike, what I want to disrupt the way you think about is the monsters in your closet. Now you, like myself, have a toddler, right? And, and mine's in this phase of like, everything is scary or like, and he's got to check under his bed and make sure yeah. that there's no monsters under the bed. And thankfully like that, that phase, like that's all he has to check. He doesn't yeah. have to check his closets and everywhere no else. Lights. Just no, just the bed for some reason. Apparently his monsters only live under his bed. So, um, what he's, what he's doing by checking underneath the bed to see if there are monsters or in your case, checking in the closet for your monster yeah. is he's manifesting his fear. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs, we see fear show up over and over again in business. And there are multiple types of ways in which we see fear. One of that I want to talk about is the fear of success. Okay. And when I say the fear of success, is that something that scares you? I was going to say, talk to me about that. Cause that, like, I guess you have to feel like you have are successful in order to kind of fear it. I, I haven't reached that level yet. <laughs> well, and that's what I think that a lot of people um, wrestle with is thinking that the fear of success is actually something that, um, that they don't struggle with yeah. or that it's only a select uh, group of people who have become successful. And, and, and what I've found is that the fear of success is actually a limiting belief for a lot of entrepreneurs. And so when, when I talk with, uh, especially with real estate agents, I'll ask, um, you know, with us being Keller Williams agent, the, the, you know, world famous millionaire real estate agent book, um, I'll ask the question to real estate agents, uh, that is who in the room wants to be a millionaire real estate agent. And oddly enough, only a small sample size of the room will raise their hands. And what that tells me is, is the remainder of the people in the room, when, when I asked, do you want to be a millionaire real estate agent and, and they don't resoundingly say yes, they have the fear of success and the fear of success manifests itself in what will you have to give up? Who will you have to become in order to become the millionaire real estate agent? Who will you have to cut out of your life? Right. What things will you have to do away with? How uncomfortable will you have to become? Will you not be able to have a relationship with your children? Will you not be able right. to sit on the couch and watch Netflix? Will you, all of these manifestations of fear, and the reality is none of them are true. Wow. Wow. And it's because we think that as we become yeah. more successful, we actually have to give up some of the comforts that we cling to in order to do that. And, um, and that's not true. It's actually the opposite. Is that's the right. Truth. That's right. The thing that I'm finding out, the, the more I'm doing, the less successful I am. Yeah. And as I do less, I'm actually doing more through others and I'm becoming more successful. Yeah. And, and it's contrary to what you would assume. Right. right? And, and, and that's the, that's the benefit of leading through others and, and moving from the phase of I do it and to we do it or they do it. Um, and that's part of scaling a business in general as an entrepreneur. And, and, and it is the fear of letting go of right. the, I do it that holds people back from accomplishing a big life without having to give up all of the things that they want to still cling to in their life. 
Absolutely. I mean, this is profound. Like this is the biggest thing that I've learned in my business is being able to then take that. We, we talked in pa about past shows, taking, you know, an audit of your business being organized and then taking that and sharing it with people on your team uh, and then just having really good people on your team to execute on those plans. So when you think about um, fear and how fear shows up in your business, how do you see fear holding your growth back or holding you back on a daily or weekly basis? So fear is kind of like those paper cuts, those, those paper cuts, they just kind of accumulate. Um, I got a appraisal today and it's $16,000 short. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting on an inspection response. Uh, and then all these things add up these little micro fears and they end up taking your energy. Yeah. So if you can take and just say like a lot of times I'll have something and my initial response, I'm conflict avoided. That is just yeah. how I am. So when I get something, I'll, I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I'm doing. And then if I sit on it, that energy, it just takes my energy. So what I do is I normally confront it right then and there, get it off of my mind. And then I oftentimes find out that it's not as big of a deal as I'm making it more of an issue than what anybody else is making it. That's right. That's right. And, and, and that's normal, right? It, it's the story you tell yourself is almost always worse than the reality. And that's, that's the essence of fear in general is that the fear that holds us back is usually the illusion yeah. of the way in which we think the world will manifest itself. And the reality or the reminder that I, that I try to um, always tell myself is, is that I'm just not that important. I am not so important that the world will align yeah. the way that I want it to align in order for that story to actually play out. We tell ourselves that we're the most important. That's thing. right. And at the end of the day, this is going to keep going regardless <laughs> of we're here or not. Yeah. 30 billion years or so roughly, um, you know, on this planet uh, proves that the stories we tell ourselves and the fears that are imagined very, very rarely ever play out in our business or in our life. And the the pain of the fear is actually when it's all kept in that avoidant phase. So in this case, uh, your example, Mike, the con avoiding conflict actually creates the pain itself. It does. The pain of the, of the fear that we keep in internal. And so you, you're, what you're talking about really is like compounding fear. Yeah. It's like one fear of, Hey, if this appraisal comes in short, now I've got, um, a new problem to deal with. And so, um, and then that problem compounds to, well, then maybe it won't go to closing and then maybe I won't get paid. And then if I don't get paid, then I won't be able to pay my bills. And if I don't pay my bills, my family won't love me or they won't be able to eat or they won't have a roof over right. their head. And then I won't be enough. Right. And so somehow one problem gets extrapolated into you not having enough, being enough, doing enough, being loved, or some manif manifestation of a core internal problem. Right. And the reality is, is none of that happens. It's you, possible. You said but something it won't happen. that in earlier podcast is that fear is the imagination of something in the future. Yeah. So instead of living in the moment, and I don't know if I 
was as articulate with you about it as you were. But the the point is, if you have something like I, my it, like my nature is to take and just like bury my head. Like I'll just deal with that later. As I anguish over that. It sucks your energy. So the best thing that I do is when I have something that's a hard decision, I try to I try to like something. I try to tackle it right on. Um, and like I said, when that happens, ninety percent of the time, it all it just works out. So it's very rare that it happens. What what happens in my mind? That colossal failure. We end up overcoming it. So absolutely. Yeah. So really, I think, um, you know, when we, when we think about fear, what we're doing is we're, we're imagining a negative future based on the experience of our past that we're trying to avoid. Right. And, and so what, what, what we find is that we want to avoid something that we've had to go through in the future. And that's understandable. The reality though is, is that it's impossible for us to have the same past experience in the future. Yeah. And that's because all we get obviously is the illusion of however we remember that experience and, and it's impossible to have that same experience twice. And so, um, the, the fear of the future is actually what, what's holding us back from growing. And so mm. what, what I mentioned, um, or, or kind of what I thought about when you said, um, I, I'm going to have this appraisal that comes in low is part of fear. In my opinion is, is, um, how do you think about problems? Okay. Do you envision all of the challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis as a problem or as an opportunity? Right. And in that, that subtle shift between problems and opportunities changes a lot of what you're fearful of. Because when I see things as a challenge, the challenge for me to get better as a person and as a leader, what I realize now is, is that I'm excited about it. It's a puzzle. That's right. It's It's a puzzle. It's the chance to get better. Yeah. It's the chance to improve myself by moving forward, either fail or success. It doesn't matter because I'm labeling it as a failure. If I choose to label it as a failure, Yeah. all of it is up to me. It's a mindset. That's right. Hey guys, I wanted to interrupt this podcast. This place, this DR Horton model we're in is sweet. If you haven't experienced DR Horton recently, they're brand new to Indianapolis, but they are America's largest builder. You have to check them out. DR Horton, America's largest builder. I'm going to say something that I feel (laughs) is blasphemous. It is. Like if you would, it is. Eric's already saying it is like, okay. Eric, his team, Michael Jordan's the That's greatest. That's right, yeah. And I have been Michael Jordan is the greatest until recently. I'm And struggling. so the reason, this, this is the thing. What's so great about his mindset when he, like, how many games, how many shots will he take a game? Who, Jordan? Yes. Oh, probably 30 plus, 30, yeah. 30, you have to take 30 points in, or take 30 shots. In, yeah. You have to take shots to score points. Most people take the opposite approach. They yeah. they want to take the least amount of uh, shots, but they want to make a lot of points. This is the same thing we're doing in this business. But you have you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid to not to take that shot. Yep. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So 
the take the take that I was saying. Yeah, is, Jordan missed nine thousand plus shots in his career. By the way, right? Yeah, you yeah. have to. T- Babe Ruth struck out seven out of it, or sorry, didn't didn't have a hit seven out of every ten at bats. Right, yeah. three hundred. He, bat, yeah. he batted three hundred. So that's all this is. Like a lot of people think when they see Eric Forney or they'll see not to the same level Michael Bounds, they think that you know we. It's numbers. We talk to a lot of people, and there's fear around that. Um, when Peyton Manning or Tom Brady throws an interception, they have to get up and throw that exact same throw yeah, again right. in the same coverage, just like they didn't just get intercepted. Yeah. And so that's why you think that you're that that's why you're now no. Team LeBron. No, no. Okay, let's get I, that I, out. I, like, I, we're going to get that out. Okay. So this is the reason why. So this, <laughs> is, I wanted to make the point about the numbers and all that, but the reason why I think the the reason why I'm giving LeBron the nod, I don't think, I don't think there would be a LeBron without a Jordan. Makes sense. I think Jordan. I think LeBron is a continuation of of Michael Jordan. But I, I'm old school. Like we were talking about the last dance. That was my era. And so Michael Jordan is on this pedestal with me. But the thing that I see with LeBron is LeBron is Michael Jordan, but he's able to assemble a team, a team around him. Where Michael Jordan was prickly and you had to kind of conform to him and he brought talent up around him. Where LeBron has this ability to bring together a, a team so then when he, like, he's been, the finals, was, last year was the first time he hadn't made it to the finals in, what, 10 tries? Which is insane. That's nuts, yeah. And then, so, to me, I give the nod to LeBron just for the simple fact he's able to, uh, to take that, to take a team and actually meld them into one where that wasn't necessarily like, could you imagine Michael Jordan jumping from three different teams, winning a championship at three different teams? No, no. I mean, I don't know. This hurts. Uh, you know what? I don't want to think about it. From an entrepreneur, think about it from an entrepreneur. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, to uh, the thing that comes to mind for me is is the Phil Jackson concept. Yeah. Right. Is like Phil Jackson had to coach you know two different teams to win you know, 10 plus titles and, um, and same concept, you know, Belichick is, is similar to that. Um, I'm just not willing to go there yet. But do you, but what I'm saying, it's almost like, like LeBron is Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan. Like he's (laughs) able to be Zen and intense. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Except uh, the other day I was watching something that said Le- LeBron spends $1.5 million a year on his health, like just on like health coaching and oh like just on his body itself, one and a half million dollars. Oh, the one thing that I like though, um, in the documentary I was watching about LeBron that he said is that like, he always, he always, um, remembers that the main thing is the main thing. And the main thing is basketball yeah. because he has all these distractions and all these opportunities and all the pull on LeBron for his time, energy and endorsement. And the main thing is basketball. Yeah. And, and that's because nobody wears, Nikes or shoes of someone who's not a great player. And so if he's going to get all these other opportunities, the only way to do that is by focusing on the main thing. And that's basketball. Basketball is the key to him. 
That's right. <laughs> that's right. And that's what the whole point was, is like the actual business that is, is my business. LeBron James, the body, which then enables him to do the main thing, play basketball, that creates the opportunity for everything else. Absolutely. And, and so I thought there was a really good business takeaway from that. And yes, in this case, great business takeaway from LeBron assembling um, people around him in the way that he's done it. And, and from what I've observed is, is by being a great recruiter of people yeah. by enrolling them and knowing that um, I feel like we may have talked about this, but knowing that um, there is a difference between and this ties into fear and and fear is imagined and it's often your ego and the ego that comes in with fear is um is failure yeah or on um not being the center of attention or not getting all of the accolades and attention and the credit and how this shows up for lebron assembling a team is um in order to get um great players like Anthony Davis, for instance, to come play with LeBron, Anthony Davis has to be willing to let go of his ego of being the center of attention, the focal point of the offense, the everything in an organization in order to pursue a greater outcome to win. That's right. To pursue something bigger than oneself. Yep. They have to be willing to be the number two person, three person, four person, whatever that is by following LeBron's vision yep. and by being a part of his organization. And so, um, there's a, there's a huge amount of, uh, takeaway and being an entrepreneur there as well. He got people to go to Cleveland y'all. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so in Miami, Cleveland, and, Miami, and, Los and, Angeles, yeah. he can go to the Indiana Pacers and guess what? Next year we would have a championship. Yeah. And that's because of his ability to, to partner with superstars and building a great organization. And, and so there's why Kyrie Irving didn't stay though too. Yeah. Which is Kyrie Irving wants to be the man. Right. More than he wanted to win a championship. Who's Kyrie Irving? <laughs> that's right. See what so, I'm saying? And that's right. That's right. <laughs> and so when we think about it in business though, the takeaway for us as entrepreneurs is like um when when is it the ideal time to let go of the ego and being the man in order to go further? By accomplishing more, partnering with someone LeBron else. Do you think LeBron does not see everybody talking about, oh, Michael Jordan did it without yeah. Bird, Michael Jordan. What kind of ego do you have to take to be able to say, look, I can do this by myself. I choose. This dude could win 10 more championships. Yeah, absolutely. He li- Like right now, his, his, his book has not even been written. He's been in the league all this time. He's been in the finals for all for 10 years and be, or for nine, nine of the last 10 years. And you see him out there, and he's no different. Yeah. So, to me, that's the difference between Michael Jordan and LeBron. From a talent perspective, okay, you might give the leg up on Jordan, but his ability to collect talent and then just do that anywhere, I've never seen it. Yeah. And, and again, I keep thinking he's a great recruiter. He's a great person in rolling the vision. What I like, though, too, is just how he's talked about how, um, looping it all back together, how Sorry. how <laughs> failure has been his his greatest success. Yeah. Because coming into the league at 19, massive amount of pressure, focus, and Couldn't expectations. Imagine. Couldn't imagine. And he, had cho- and he had a choice to make, which is to allow fear to hold him back 
and he failed. There were times that he was supposed to win championships or have had the um, you know greatest team on the floor and they didn't win, or he had expectations that he should have been winning championships earlier uh, than they did, and he had a choice to make, which is to allow fear to hold him back or to allow fear to be what propelled him to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And so the difference becomes whether fear is your fuel or fear becomes your failure right is whether or not you allow it to define you mentally and emotionally yeah and and so for me when i think about fear what i've found is that when fear has held me back it's because i'm afraid of failing yeah and it's because i'm afraid of failing because i identify myself my identity is my accomplishment not who i am right and I have to be able to, to internally realize that I have to, to um, delineate and detach from me, the accomplishment, and me, the person. Yeah. Yeah. Those are not the same people. If all of a sudden you strip everything away from an accomplishment standpoint, and if you took everything away, if I, if I came to you, Mike, and said, hey, um, next week, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take your business from you, your house, your cars and your family. Would you be, but you're going to have, um, eternal peace and, or you're going to internally just feel peaceful Bye. and at joy. Yeah. You re- or would you walk away from your business no. and your possessions? Right. I, yeah, I don't know. That would be a, that's how really hard. That's a really hard call. And that's the premise of, of fear is that we're afraid of losing what we believe we have. Right. And at the end of the day, we'll have, that's the thing. If you walk and you just know that we're playing on with house money, that's right. We're blessed. The fear goes away because you're, you're merely experiencing life in a, in an effort to continue to grow and evolve. Yeah. And how can you contribute more by failing more? And so when you actually fail, you have the ability to have had that experience to pass on to either not do it again in the future yep. or you pass it on to someone else that comes in and is a part of your world. I tell you what, I got my teeth kicked in, but I learned <laughs> yeah. a lot from getting my teeth kicked in. Yeah. That's the best way to learn anything. That's right. It is <laughs> truly like I remind, I, I tell the story when I was at Sherwin Williams, I was, um, I got put into a position of management when I was not qualified to be. And, and partly I think it was on, on purpose because I was la- I that that next year my first year in in the leadership position I was last place out of 44 I was 44 out of 44 I mean I think I lost half a million dollars that year for the wow. company wow. I got just slaughtered in the numbers and it took me probably 10 months to learn how to play the game and it was by failing and hating the the pain of failure Sitting that I that learned pain. what I had to do in order to start winning if I didn't want to feel that way anymore. Yeah. And that re, uh, changed the direction of my first sales career, which then shaped the direction for my current career. But if I hadn't been last place and failed miserably, I don't know that I would have had the same outcome. Yeah. But I sold one house <laughs> my first year as a real estate agent. I sold one house. I got out of the business. And so what were you afraid of? Uh, I just, I was, I had, I was a car salesman 
I had been a car salesman. I had a family and I kind of took real estate as a part time thing. So naturally taking that full time step into real estate, that was my fear that I would be able to um, be an entrepreneur and raise my family. So you just got to do it. So you were afraid that you wouldn't be able to do what it took in order to get what you needed or what you wanted in order to to have what you wanted to have. I I sold houses. I was a real estate agent for a year part time. I sold one house. I got out of the business. I was like, that's just not for me. What changed? Um, I was able to fail. Okay. I worked for a builder um, for several years. And by working for a builder, you're able to actually sell real estate in a laboratory. They actually teach you techniques. They are technique. They teach you how to do things. You have a salary and you have a 401k. So I'm able to sell a lot of homes in, 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 in a, in a controlled environment. So then when I was able to step out of new home sales, I was able to have a level of confidence when I stepped into being my own agent. So you had a parachute then. So you weren't, you, it wasn't a parachute. I still, you know, I still stepped out, but what happened was I had the confidence. Yeah. The fear was gone because I was able to do it in a controlled situation. So I was able to jump out of the plane without a parachute, but I knew a little bit about what I was doing. On the way down, you knew how to assemble one. Right. Yeah. And, and so it is, it is quite literally, it's it, when we think about fear, it's, um, it's how do we realize that we're manifesting or projecting fear in a way in which it doesn't service. Like, are we fearful of trying to cling to something that we don't really have, like who we are, for instance? Are we trying to cling to something that we're trying to, um, are we trying to, to be, are we fearful of something we're trying to avoid? I or th- are we fearful of something that's imagined? All of those things I think are important to take inventory of yeah. because they're holding you back. Totally. And um, I mean, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but like literally, just peeling the bandaid off. Like the, I think that from a fear perspective, once you make a decision that is a decision that you're fearful of, you're able to build confidence off of that decision. And the next time you have that, you're able to then tackle that. My biggest thing is like, if something like we have a million fires and I think, I think about it later. But the problem is I'm not thinking about later. I'm thinking about it every all day. Yeah. And if I can just tackle that and just not bury my head in the sand and just go and just tackle it, it's in my head. Just tackle it. Yeah. So what I hear is that you take the approach of driving with fog lamps. You know, you're 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 taking action, driving in a fog. And all you can see is what's in front of you this short distance. Yeah. Right? You can see 20 feet in front of you with your fog lights on. You can't tell how far the road is in front of you, whether there's curves, speed bumps, obstacles, or problems, yeah. whether there's road closures or delays. You can merely see what's in front of you with right. your fog lamps. And you make the best decisions in the moment. Yeah. Not letting the fear of being unable to see the road in its entirety in the future. Yeah. Yeah. By making sound choices and decisions today based on the information that, you know, on your on your best set of data, knowing you'll figure out the rest of it 
when you get to that fork in the road. Yeah. Just having the confidence and making those decisions. Absolutely.